Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. So God, we do pray that you would continue to minister in us and through us and amongst us in this time and this space. May we experience your goodness. May we know your presence and hear your word. May we receive you. May we be humble enough, courageous enough to sit with you. To wait for you. We give you thanks, Father, that wherever we have come from, whatever we have done, wherever we are right now, whether we are here in this space and this time, whether online and watching another time, that you invite healing and renewal and refreshment, that you have authority over everything. And we want to declare you as Lord and we want to explore the depth and the wonder of your invitation to participate in life with you. May we know you and encounter you today. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So last week, last week we... um, explored the the tension and the traditions or the tension between traditions of the elders and the work of the father Uh, the traditions of the elders and the law that god had given and the hope of what god had given and how uh, what it is that defiles us what it is that might make us unclean um, and the tension that that caused for people particularly the religious leaders of the time and jesus was asking or we we led to the place where we realized and we are reminded that Everything comes from the heart. Everything comes from a depth of who we are, where the traditions of the elders, the Pharisees, had tried to establish a way to navigate life. That had become their focus rather than the heart of God and the relationship with God and what that looked like. So we're going to uh, step into Mark chapter 7, uh, verse 24 following. I'm going to read the two stories following that conversation and that tension together and then unpack them a little bit separately and then hopefully lead us into a place of invitation and where we can take that personally and respond to it Um, and again I I do want to say that uh, you can read it on whether you've got the paper bible or you version I haven't got it on powerpoint today uh, but just to be aware and just to go home and, and soak in it go back and read the gospel of Mark again as we make our way through Mark Read through the small uh, changes in words or the themes that come up for you and and notice those as we go along. Um, Because you'll notice different things to what has been revealed to me as well. Um, And even as I read this, and I've, you know, like we do most times, you read the stories and you read them time and time again, they can become familiar until we slow down and read through them again and new things come to life. So that's my hope today, that we see new things and in that we're invited to press deeper into God. Whether you're new to church or familiar with church, new to Jesus or familiar with the ways of Jesus and being seen to follow him, my hope is that we will actually go deeper in trusting him. 
So what we've said over the last few weeks or what I've said throughout this year is that there's nothing written in the Gospels that is accidental. Everything has purpose when these Gospel writers write. They're writing for a particular community in a particular time, particular place with a particular message. Certainly the message of Jesus, but the way they want to communicate that is really important and really significant and there's nothing accidental about it. So let's look at uh, from Mark chapter 7, verse 24. Um, and there'll be some variations in the language according to translations, but that's okay. So Jesus left that place. I'll read the text and then I'll come back. Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, yet he could not keep his presence secret. How many times do you think we've heard that in the Gospel of Mark? In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure or unclean or evil spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, Gentile, translate pagan, someone who doesn't know about God. The woman was a Greek, born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her. Just a, a small aside, there's in the Greek, when you even notice in the English, the word um, you hear, the woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit or unclean or evil spirit um, and then begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her. I don't know why that language shifts. <laughs> I think there's some kind of understanding in the Greek kind of thinking that those two things are fairly uh, similar uh, and we have some trouble understanding this but the words are very different in their expression in terms of the Greek language too. So that's just a small aside for you. Um, not, a great, not a great Greek lesson but some of a Greek lesson for you. Um, verse 27, first, this is how Jesus responds to this woman who's begging him First, let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Does anyone else read that and think Jesus is lacking a little bit of compassion at the moment? Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. <clears throat> or the children hand out bits of food that they don't like. Um, then he told her, verse 29, for such a reply you may go, the demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on the bed and the demon gone. Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk and they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus spit into the man's ears. Now, clean freaks, just stay with me a little bit. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Ephephatha, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Mm. Look at that, will you? Just realised something else, even as I read the text again. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Great text, isn't it? 
Are you excited or are you bewildered? Both, maybe, <laughs> all of it. Here's, here's, some, here's some things I want to notice. Um, firstly, the movement that Jesus makes. Why, why, does, why does Mark, this, you know how I've encouraged you to ask questions? This is a place where you can ask one of these questions. If you go back to verse 1 of chapter 7, the Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus. So remember, if you go back even earlier, just the part where Jesus walked on water, we talked about Jesus being the presence and the provision, the disciples not recognising him, and they land at Gennesaret, or Gennesaret, however you choose to say it. Um, so, And what that is, that's on the edge of the Sea of Galilee, uh, Bethsaida area. To look on this map is a fascinating... I tried to look for a decent map, but I couldn't really find it to show it. Go and do your homework. Um, Jerusalem is south. And so what you're seeing here is the Pharisees, the teachers of the law here, have had enough and they're actually moving out of their comfort space because they generally hang around the synagogues and they've actually moved now to go and find Jesus on the Sea of Galilee. Right? So here we are, Sea of Galilee. This is somewhat familiar territory. This is somewhat acceptable territory for people of Israel. This is about the region where people would move from there, their home, their villages, to go to Jerusalem for their feasts and their annual celebrations. So this is, the Pharisees have actually moved to Jesus. Then Jesus actually goes further north, and I know this because that's what it said on the map. All right, I'm not just guessing which direction it is because you know how good I am with my directions. Jesus actually moves further north and pay attention because Jesus left that vicinity. So the gospel writer is asking the reader, pay attention. Not only has he left that vicinity, but now he's naming the region. Why? Good question to ask. Thanks for asking it. Movement is important here. Jesus actually heads further away from Jerusalem, which up until this point has been the centre of activity, life, ministry and the work of God. Okay? You follow me here so far? Now to actually move into the region of Tyre, and you pick this up a little bit even further, is a pagan land and it's amongst unclean people. What was the last conversation that Jesus was having with people? Come on, someone. Clean and unclean. Washing. What's traditional? What's right? What's law? What's the heart of the Father? See how nothing is accidental in the Gospels. Jesus is having an argument with the teachers of the law about what is clean, what is unclean. And all of a sudden, Jesus is moving into a region and amongst people who are considered to be unclean. Remember, even um, the question was about the disciples coming from the marketplace amongst unclean people. So there's, it's not like there's not this movement, but this Messiah, who people don't recognise yet, incidentally, has moved into a pagan land. And this is further highlighted because this is the first time, if you're reading and you're following along, the gospel writer draws attention to the ethnicity of the woman. Did you just notice that? Right, let's just make a point here. Jesus is in a different region, outside where he's meant to be, outside of what be commonly accepted as a clean community, 
or a lawful community according to the traditions of the Pharisees. And now he's talking to a... Uh, how's, it, how's it said? Sorry, let me write it. The woman was a, a Gentile. She was a pagan. Born in Syrian Phoenicia. This is a land outside the people of Israel. These are people that we generally don't associate with. So this movement, pay attention to that. A woman who has had an unclean spirit or evil or impure spirit. Now it's not like that we've had that before or haven't had that before, sorry. But again, Jesus highlights that. The gospel writer, the witnesses highlight that. This woman coming begging Jesus has an unclean spirit. And again, the highlighting of the ethnic divide here. She was Gentile, Syrian or Syrio-Phoenician by birth, depending on your translation. This woman was a mixed-race woman out of a pagan land that anyone clean wouldn't engage with. Are you shocked yet? You're meant to be. That's the point. We, we lose sight of all this. So hopefully it's stirred you a little bit here. Now, then we get to this place where the woman begs Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. And Jesus says, first, let the children eat all they want. He told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Now, this sounds demeaning, does it not? Um, and you could read various arguments about that. It's difficult to know. I'm guessing, but it's difficult to know who's actually witnessed to this. I suspect probably the disciples, a few, and maybe the crowds who have come to see what happens when this woman engages with Jesus. Interestingly, also to note, how does the woman position herself? At the feet of Jesus. At the feet of Jesus. This unclean woman. This woman who's not to know anything about God, not meant to have any knowledge about God, positions himself at the feet of Jesus. Now, so it's difficult to know what Jesus' intent here is really, whether he's just tired and worn out because remember he's gone away for rest. Jesus does this on a regular basis. He's been interrupted again. Now, whether it's a response of tiredness or whether he's actually looked at the crowd that have followed him and whether he's looked at the woman and thought, hmm, here's an opportunity here. Because when he, he's, Jesus is actually almost identifying with the religious leaders because this woman, this, these, uh, racial, this people of this race, my understanding is, would have been identified as dogs. They're the low end of the ethno scale. So Jesus is actually saying, my call is to the people of Israel, the children of Israel. They haven't been fed fully yet. They haven't got it yet. And the woman says, I'm just happy with a crumb. And that is enough faith for Jesus to say, it's done. So he's moved into an unclean land amongst unclean people and addressed an unclean woman, Gentile, nothing known about God. And it appears that her answer stuns him into action. Now, some would, there's lots of different arguments about that, and I'm not, I kind of wrestle with about going there, but I think it's enough to say that there's something beautiful happening here. 
Jesus is not being mean for the sake of being mean. He's, he's kind of called her a dog. to refer, she, she fully expects that. She doesn't pull back because Jesus has called her a dog. She goes, well, that's about, my stand. That's about what I'm used to here. Give me something more. Now, did you also notice here how the woman referred to Jesus? Lord, do you know it's the first time in the Gospel of Mark that Jesus is referred to Lord? If you just stay there for the rest, that'll... Right? Who, who doesn't recognise Jesus as Lord? It's the Pharisees. It's the Jewish authorities. It's the people who understand the law and the history of where they have come from. It's the people who are meant to remember who God was and what he has done and how they've called him, how they were called out of slavery into a new life to be a blessing to the rest of the world. It's not those people that remember Jesus as Lord. It's not his disciples who have spent the last 12, 18 months following around. There's no record in the Gospel of Mark that not even those who are closest to him called him out Lord yet. And it's certainly not the crowds who chased after him calling out to be healed. There's no recognition that someone got healed and then said, Oh, Lord. It's the unclean woman who first recognises Jesus as Lord. It's a beautiful moment. No history, no recognition of reading Bibles, going to church, knowing how to pray. And she sees him for who he is. And what's also and Jesus, what we also recognise here is that Jesus has authority over nature, demons, physical, and now time and space. Go home, your daughter has been healed. Man, and I, like, what an encouragement to me as we think about going online. Jesus has authority over time and space. You know, and I, I've really been mindful of that. When people say, can you pray for me? I know historically, yeah, sure, I'll be praying for you. And you kind of get caught up in other things. Now people say, hey, this is what's happening. You know, I just want, can you pray for I'm on the text and I send them a prayer straight away. Because Jesus has the authority over time and space. And then those people can be confident that prayer is happening for them. See, now, and it could be easy to hold this at a distance, and I think we do, and I know I have, and, and as, you know, because Western, middle class, we don't really understand this. You know, it could be easy to hold this experience at a distance, the unclean, the evil spirits, the demon possession. Some of us have seen it expressed, some of us have felt it, not everybody has. We don't fully understand it. We've got images of it in terms of oppression and darkness and um, shadows and, and those kind of things. And I don't want to diminish any of that at all. I've seen it expressed. I've been in conversations where I've seen people have demons cast out of them. It hasn't been particularly dramatic. It hasn't been like the movies have casted at times. Surprise, surprise. Um, it's been quiet and a little bit messy as well in different ways. But I also want us to go back here and, and say alongside that how easy it is to glance over the list that we were left with after the pre previous conversation. In ver, uh, chapter 7, verse 20, Jesus goes on, what comes out of a man is what makes him unclean from, for from within, out of men's hearts. Come evil 
or unclean, impure thoughts. See, we often make this demon possession as we read in the text, and it is, but then we go, oh, you know, I don't really understand that. I don't know anything about it. But we, then we ignore or we glance over this list that Jesus talks about. Unclean, impure, evil thoughts. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils, impure, unclean, come from inside and make a man unclean. We need to be very careful when reading the text that we sometimes can limit it to things we'd, or we get limited because we don't understand it and so we refuse to explore it or we glance over it or we dismiss it because it's not our experience. And we cover over these evils, we cover over these uh, filling our lives up and covering it with other things that we want to do um, and other things that are important to us, hoping that no one finds out and hoping that it covers our shame, hoping that it covers our guilt, hoping that it covers our past mistakes, and yet somehow deep down inside we still know these things exist and we refuse to deal with them by coming to the ministry of Jesus and falling at his feet and declaring him as Lord. See, what makes us unclean is what possesses us. Let me ask the question a different way. What has a hold on us that is not the heart of the Father? What has a hold of us that is not the heart of God? What is our motivation that is not the heart of God? What is our response that is not the heart of God? What has our attention that is not the heart of God? What is it that defiles our heart, our thinking and responses? What is it that possesses us? And are we willing to fall at the feet of Jesus and declaring him as Lord? Knowing he is the one that restores us and makes us clean. And what of the man who was deaf and could hardly talk? Well, again, there's more movement. So remember, Jesus had gone up north further north into an unclean land he's making his way back down as i can tell the other side of gennesaret he's come down the other side of sea of galilee to the decapolis 10 cities that surrounded this area There's, he's moving back towards familiar's territory and we're going to see over the next few weeks how this is beginning to stir what the kingdom of god actually looks like what jesus is actually calling people into and it's fascinating to me that in this moment this time when the friends bring this deaf and this mute man, this person who could not speak plainly, keep that in mind or clearly, um, Jesus actually takes him aside. Did you notice that? It's not that Jesus is against healing in front of the crowds. We've seen that. But Jesus takes this man aside from the crowds. And no one seems to bat an eyelid at Jesus spitting and touching this man's tongue. Do we kind of, I mean... We just don't do that. That seems like a weird kind of mechanism for healing. It's certainly not COVID safe. How would Jesus operate? I mean, we only see it once too. So I just—it's fascinating to, and I don't—I don't know why Jesus. This, why did he go these extra ways? I don't know. What stirred in him in that moment that he decided that this was the course of action that he had to take? 
But I also wonder what's happening in Jesus that it was enough for those closest to him, those disciples, the witness. He took a deep sigh. Be opened. I mean, in some ways, I wonder if Jesus has got to this point, he's got his fingers in the man's ears. God, are they going to get this? Are they going to understand? Are they going to hear what I'm trying to say? What I'm trying to bring? What I'm trying to reveal? I've got a man in front of me who can't hear. Be opened. I can't help but wonder if these two stories, although seemingly different, are actually trying to invite the readers into something similar. Will you see? Will you understand? Will you respond? Will you call me as Lord? Will you hear me? So what we don't know, what happened to that woman? What happened to the Gentile, Greek, pagan, Syrophoenician woman and her daughter? We don't know. What happened to this man who was deaf who couldn't talk? We don't know. We can make a lot of assumptions. We can make a lot of guesses based upon the information and history. But this is actually imitation for you and I, friends. Will we come to the feet of Jesus, declare him as Lord in all things, through all things, in our uncleanness, so that he might make us clean? Will we seek to understand? Will we hear him in a way that we understand so that we are transformed into the fullness of who we are made to be because of who Jesus is? What you see, if you you go back uh, and if you're writing notes, you might want to record chapter 4, verse 12. Think about hearing, understanding, not speaking plainly. We're told that this man, in verse 34, the man's ears were opened, his hearing was opened, and his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Keep that in mind, all right? This is where, this, I hope I'm helping you along here. Verse, chapter 4, verse 12. Um, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving. They ever hearing, but never understanding. We can spend a lot of time hearing things and still speak mumble jumble. It's astonishing, isn't it? Um, In verse 24 of chapter 4. Consider carefully what you hear, Jesus says. In verse 33. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. Jesus is trying to show us something. The author is trying to show us something. The witnesses are trying to reveal something to us here. And at this, Jesus opened the man's ears and he could speak plainly. In chapter 7, verse 18, and again, um, chapter 7, verse 18, Jesus quite frankly goes to the disciples and says to them, Are you still so dull? (laughs) For all that you have seen... For all that you have experienced, for all that you have heard, will you not still declare me as Lord? Will you still not understand who I am? 
an invitation to respond to the good news, to see and hear Jesus for who he was, not just for what he did. Because the healings, as beautiful as they are, and as wonderful as they are, and as fantastic as, and we've heard some great stories of uh, some people receiving healing over the last few weeks, being able to do things that they haven't been able to do for a long time, but they are signs of the kingdom of God that is still being revealed. They are not the kingdom of God in its fullness. Does that make sense? And we can be a part of the crowds that go, hey, we're looking for healings. Let's rush to everywhere Jesus goes. Let's get the healing. And we see it. You put a healing service on, bang, there's people there. You put a service on that says, take up your cross and follow me, you'll have a dozen people. And please don't, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not against healing. I've prayed for healings. I've seen healings. But let's understand that's a sign of what God wants to do in us. That's a sign and a promise of the fullness of who Jesus is making us become. Now, and yeah, I'll stop there because I'm getting confused in my own head. So, um, both invitations in this in these stories are deeply personal. And I hope you've seen what. And again, let me highlight it: a pagan, mixed-race woman, rejected and outcast, probably from the temple, who's distant from the temple, who's distant from understanding what God is and what He has done, or probably not even allowed to worship in the same way as those who understood, declares Jesus as Lord. How is it that those people who have never been around or don't see it or haven't heard it seem to grasp it? Or do we, those who have been around for a long time, do we just lose sight of it after a while? Because we allow the evil to creep in. We allow those things that defile us to possess us and rule us. And a deaf man is taken aside so that Jesus can do the work in him. Are you hearing? Are you understanding? See, Jesus is not just the one who does things well. He is the full revelation of the Father. He is God with us. God having compassion on all people, bringing healing to all people. No matter where you have been, no matter what you have done, no matter where you have come from, regardless of who you think your family might have been or how other people see your family, regardless of your history, Regardless of your present, Jesus' compassion is for all people and the invitation is for all people to come to his feet, to be set aside with him, to know him, to encounter him, to know the fullness of him and to know the fully, knowing the fullness of Jesus, we discover the truth of who we are. He is the one who brings revelations. He is the one who does the deep work in us so that we can discover him and that we might be made fully alive to the truth of who we are. Friends, I pray that we wouldn't continue to live unclean lives. I pray that we wouldn't simply be people who would simply go, well, this is what I do, this is how I do things, but we would come and fall at the feet of Jesus and call out to him Lord you can make me clean 
I pray that we wouldn't simply be a people who walk around and go, oh, Jesus does everything well, but we would have our ears, our hearts and our tongues loosened to speak plainly of the good news of Jesus Christ so that we might walk in the fullness and those who have not yet heard might also hear and understand and be taken aside so that Jesus can do the deep work needed in them as well. And don't we need the deep work done in us? Don't we need the deep work done in us? That we wouldn't continue to be deaf or consider ourselves unclean, but we would be restored and made whole in his presence. Father, we want to just thank you for who you are. We recognise the fullness, the wonder of who you are through Jesus. We thank you for revealing the, the joy and the overwhelming nature of your love that goes into all places. Yeah, Holy Spirit, may we know and experience the fullness of your, your healing, the experience of your presence. Not just so we can say that's wonderful, but so that we can speak plainly and understand the joy of your kingdom, the hope of your kingdom, the promise of your kingdom, the declaration that Jesus is Lord. And in this, friends, the invitation is always there. If you're in our building, we'd love to spend time praying with you. If you need healing, would like prayer for healing, or if you'd like prayer, or you want to come to a place of confessing Jesus Christ as Lord or maybe it's just falling at that feet and saying I've become unclean and I need to confess Jesus as Lord again we'd love to pray with you we'd love to chat with you if you move to the front you can we can have a chat with you but we or go to someone that you know and trust and ask them to pray with you in that we can help you find people if that's what you need if you're online Gather around as family, call someone that you know or let us know that you need just someone to touch base with or pray as well. But this opportunity is there just to know as we bless the Lord, as we declare the blessing of God, invite, you're invited to respond to Jesus. You're, responded, you're invited to know him in all his fullness, to know his healing, to know his refreshment, his renewal, his restoration, his freedom as we bless the Lord.